0: This is an ABC podcast. Do you remember your very first best friend? (laughs) When my boys were little, we lived around the corner of one of my best friends, and her two and my then three were besties. They even worked out a way to escape over the back fences to get into each other's yards. For some kids, making a new best friend is really easy. They just have that easygoing temperament. But? For some kids, nah, not so. They can either struggle with incredible shyness or maybe they're just too bossy or maybe they struggle in social situations. Then sometimes, when your kids make friends, maybe you're not convinced they're the right kind of friend. I'm Maggie Dent and in this Parental as Anything, we're talking about the highs and lows of young friendships. <laughs>
1: I shot you! And I didn't shoot you!
0: When did you guys first meet? Do you remember? School. BMX.
1: Because of the first game we tied? First game, we, technically, I won, technically. No, no you, you didn't have any experience then.
0: What sort of uh, stuff do you do together?
2: Uh, wrestle.
1: Wrestle. Play
2: football. Soccer. Even
1: though we're not at the same, the same school. So we get together? We still get together. I reckon we'll be friends for eight years. I reckon forever.
0: As much as you might want to make everything perfect and easy for your kids, when it comes to making friends, what tends to work best is for you to trust them and give them some space to create and navigate friendships themselves. If you have a daughter, Beck Sparrow has some fabulous tips for teenage girls around friendships. I'll chat to her in a tick. However, I wanted to look at where it all begins for children, forming friendships. One of the reasons I count Claire Orange as a friend is we have a lot in common. We're both mums to four sons, and we both write books about raising resilient kids because it's one of our biggest passions. Claire co-runs Best Programs for Kids. Claire,
2: what is your what is your big message about building friendships in childhood? Childhood is the training ground for the rest of your adult life. And it requires skills like any job you go on to, you get training, you get a manual and you learn skills and you do it in workshops and you get it mentored, kids don't get much of that in childhood. And these are complex skills, making a friend, you know God, oh, how many Christmas parties have I gone to with my husband with a bunch of IT nerds and gone, I really need to work on my friendship skills because I start at the the wine bar and go, I'll have one of those and then I'll work my way in. <laughs> got kids doing that, minus the wine, uh, in playgrounds every day, making friends. It is a complex skill. Can you tell me why is friendship such a key part of childhood? Friendship's are a way of attaching little babies to it, tiny weeny babies to it. And then as our brains reach new levels of sophistication, it feeds that system of identity, of self and, and who we are in this amazing world and how we relate to people and how people see us. So really those early social interactions are our templates for the rest of life and essentially the most important thing in childhood. If you grow up as the child with an inability to stand up for yourself and you're always the bottom of the friendship triangle saying, yeah, I can do that and, yeah, I'll sit with you even if you left your hat and I've got my hat but I'll sit on the bench and I won't play at lunchtime – We stand a really great risk that actually that's a template for our adult life. Dealing with conflict, learning to stick up for yourself, sometimes having to say no. God, Maggie, you'd know women and men who can't say no. Uh, They're usually the, you know, the president of the PNC. (laughs) Those skills sit in early childhood and we learn a lot from siblings and from close friendships. When do children begin to form friendships, real friendships? It's at about two and a half to three that children start to become aware of others in a very egocentric way. It's usually, how fun do you look? How much could I play with you? Mm. And then I'll ditch you if you're no fun anymore. Um, but they really become externally relationship seeking. And that's the beginning of friendship is just finding someone who likes and does the same things as you.
0: So to be good friends, what give us some of the key ones. Which are the skills that we can help our, you know, our parents encourage in their children?
2: I think approaching friendships or a relationship with someone with some level of warmth, so, you know, so the child who comes and the bottom lip sticking out and the, the victim like, well, I have to play with the Lego but no one ever lets me play. they really not an attractive child. You know, you don't want no. to play with that kid. No one else wants to play with that kid either and you're the adult. Um, so I think teaching them that a smile, it's right yeah. there under the nose. You know, use it because it's quite an attractive human feature. I want to play with kids mm. more who smile mm. than whose bottom lip is poking out. So, and you can teach that. Of course you can. You model can. it. You can uh, teach it. Like, wow. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I, th- I think we as parents hate role play. I hate, I'll speak for myself, Maggie, I hate it. But kids love it. So role modelling is incredibly powerful in your home, especially when your children are going towards something new and might have some level of anxiety about it. The other part is the initiation of the interaction So some kids don't reach into the interaction. They wait to be included. So some sort of interesting joining in question, hey, that looks like fun. Can I play? If I watch this time, can I play next time? Stuff that gets Mm. kids into Mm. social interactions. And sometimes kids don't know how to initiate a social interaction. And then another big bit is actually even for our egocentric kids is to notice something about someone else. And little kids are going to go, I like your shirt. Well, that's really nice. Uh, our big kids are going to say, God, you're really good at footy, right? Something complimentary. It's mm-hmm. warm. So if we think about warm, friendly, accommodating people, that's what they do. No one's perfect at friendships. You know, we've all had moments
0: that we've said something we regret or we feel excluded when we weren't. They're normal things, aren't they, in children? And that's why when our kids come home and say, I've got no one to play with, it breaks our heart. Yeah. You know, watching my uh, grandies in a playground at the moment who are, you know, three and four, kind of slinking towards the children they don't know that are there, hoping that they can get exactly what you've just said, a kind of look or a welcome. You know, that's exactly what we do in the formative stages. And when you've got that a little bit more practice, which means play, where we can sometimes make mistakes in our friendship interactions that actually aren't, they just brush over them and they move on because the joy of the play takes you to the next level rather than it becoming a great wound within us. So, Claire, let's look at the later primary as our kids are sort of merging into adolescence. So much is changing, right, their brains, their bodies and the world around them. So how do parents help this age group? you know, through the highs and lows of friendships because they are more emotional, aren't they?
2: In the teenage years, while well, you're establishing your own identity, who am I? And you've got yourself amongst a group. And, uh, you know, Kohlberg's moral development tells us about that, that this is the child who's going to be themselves but in a group, be conform. That's, that's kind of mm-hmm. normal. So kids who haven't gone through um, experiences where they've built the skills to stick up for themselves, to manage conflict effe- effectively, to know that just because you're not my BFF today and then you are tomorrow and then you're not the next day, it's kind of okay. It's called normal childhood. And then also to know that when relationships are toxic, that there's actually a need to cut that out. And that for our adolescence is who am I? How do I become me and not become you? Which they lose their due north. Yes. Um, and we Lot, they lose lots of kids, they go off track yeah. because they become someone else who they think is better than themselves. And mm. that's a great concern, and we see it in our teenagers with rising anxiety.
0: One of the things we're noticing more, even in early childhood and through the early primary years, is more relational aggression, which of course is, um, you know, the put downs and the exclusions and the name calling because it's everywhere. But there is something different between that and a toxic friendship. So I would love you to explore. Is it just bullying by another name? What's the difference with a toxic friendship? And then what is the bullying and how is that different?
2: It's interesting. With with relationship building, once you're in a friendship, your base requirement is trust right? So when trust and trust, a betrayal of trust between girls and boys looks different. A betrayal of trust in a boy looks very much like shaming and a betrayal of trust in girls looks very much like naming and demoting. How far can I drop your status for you? But it's still held within what's called a friendship. So this is where I get mums and dads sitting with me going, I've told her a million times, just find someone else to play with and the word just is a problem because just sounds like it should easy. be easy, easy. just no, it's not. Worth. And actually, you know, there's a risk in establishing a new relationship and then there's a risk in missing out. So actually, when we're looking at toxicity and abuse within a friendship, it's far more damaging for our children than being bullied by someone external to that friendship. Mm-hmm.
0: not who wasn't somebody they valued. And yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. of course it's going to hurt more.
2: And we're seeing it, Maggie. We're seeing it in their cyber worlds, yeah. that when we're looking at, especially around their social worlds, it's not really the troll who comes in that they don't know. Mm. It's the best mate that shames them or demotes them or demoralises on social media. When we look at the brain, especially of a teenage girl, a friendship lights up the same area as the brain as being in love. Exactly the mm. same area. It's one little nucleus in the brain. And when you're in love, it's almost like an addiction. You want more of it. You will go back for it, even if it's not particularly good for you. So when that becomes challenged, it can cause really big feelings like any of us who have had our love breached. My best friend, Seb. Oh, I've known Seb since Year 7. We're both interested in like, computers and stuff. And um, we've both kind of built our own. PC, we share a similar sense of humour, like we always get each other's jokes, we often send each other jokes as well. Most of us go to school together so we mainly just, we relate to each other a lot so it's easy to talk about things with them so, just that they're all really nice actually, they're really nice, they're not dodgy dodgy, (laughs) they're really good people.
0: I don't really have a best friend, I just got a lot of great friends. They just like help me out and stick beside me and make sure I'm okay and everything like that. I did have a fight, I don't know, (laughs) like we were just fighting and then uh, I went up to them and just said we should probably resolve this somehow and we just both said sorry and yeah. I want to talk to Beck Sparrow about this because Beck goes to high schools all the time to talk to girls about this stuff. And she also answers their questions about friendships in her podcast, Ask Me Anything, and they do ask her anything. Beck, how much has the friendship dynamics of teen girls changed since you were
1: a young teen yourself? Look, in some ways, it hasn't changed, and in other ways, it's a completely, new world. So I think that what we're seeing, um, of course, we're seeing behaviours that we have seen for generations. The exclusion, The I mean, is there anything more painful than when you're at school with a group of friends and you're speaking, you turn around and someone's been rolling their eyes at you behind your back? <laughs> yeah. You know, that stuff, when, when you walk in and suddenly your friends are giving you the cold shoulder, nobody's making eye contact with you. I clearly remember in high school uh, being asked to help a friend write out birthday invitations only to discover I wasn't invited to the Mm. party. So those things have always existed. But what I think is we have seen the volume turned up to an 11 because I think what we're seeing with social media is that it's a lot more public, it's a lot more painful and it doesn't end. We know it goes round the clock.
0: And also, it's a lot easier, isn't it, to be a little bit more
1: mean in an anonymous way rather than facing a person? Absolutely. The impulsiveness of, I'm going to respond like this or I'm going to say this. And, you know, within seconds, a thought that you're thinking becomes a message that is spread everywhere and I think that we're giving them the power to blow up their own lives and the lives of other people and so that's why constant conversations are so important because kids they act before they think as do many adults and we are seeing the repercussions of that of rumours and um photos and whatever being spread so quickly. We've heard the tag mean girls a lot what's what's tag sit like for you today? I mean, we've all got a potential, but tell me, is it fair? This is really interesting because there are so many different schools of thought and, and there are, are people who are saying, you know, we shouldn't be using the tag mean girls and and it's, you know, um, labelling girls and all of that kind of thing. And yet we do see, the, the emails that I get from behaviour that is even happening in primary school, take my breath away, the sophistication and the the cruelty of some of the messages and the behaviours that our girls in particular are doing to each other. And I understand totally, I understand where people are coming from that we need to stop labelling girls this way. Let's look at how friendship is depicted in media. We either have the romanticised best friend, the Oprah and Gayle, or we have the mean girls. We have the bachelor cocktail parties. So we're seeing women's friendships depicted only in, in two ways, and there's no um, shades of grey. I think rather than spending time talking about, do we get rid of the tag? We need to be spending our time better equipping our girls to communicate, to set boundaries. It's all about boundaries, right? To set boundaries. How do we communicate that we're not okay with that without turning it into real housewives? And I think when you have reality programs that actually also
0: model grown women, women, behaving really badly, let's just leave it like that, Um, then what influence is that on in a developing girl who's just, you know, working her way through how do I, you know, negotiate relationships? You talk about tribes and I love the way you talk about we've got to find our tribe. What are your tips out there for, well, there may be some girls listening to this, but for parents of girls, how do
1: we help them in that journey? And is there a difference between a tribe and a clique that's such a good question and yes, there is a difference between a, a tribe and a clique and I go to great pains to spread the message that I heard from writer American writer Glennon Doyle which is friends with some but kind to all. You're not, you know, sometimes when teachers say, we're all friends here, you know, we're all friends. Well, that's ridiculous. I, I think I think we've got to give our kids a bit more credit. You are not going to get on with... Every single person who's in your class or in your grade at school, and I think putting the expectation out there that our kids, you know, in grade four, five, six, going all the way up, are all going to be friends is ridiculous. We need to have a bit of empathy for our kids who are often going to schools like being stuck in a country town... You know, for 12 years for some of them, with <laughs> people. Me. Yeah. With people <laughs> who you don't wouldn't choose to be with. For some of us, if we had to deal with the behaviour that our kids would deal with in a workplace, we would leave. Right? But our kids can't leave. We off we go, off you go, go and spend eight hours with that person who's rolling their eyes at you or doing this to you or making fun of you. I don't expect kids to all be friends with each other, but gee, I expect you to be kind. Just because you have a boundary doesn't mean that you're not a kind person. You can be, I say to my own kids, my own daughter in particular, who's about to turn 11, kind but strong you know you have a line in the sand of you know what i'm not okay you know every time we're going to play that game you're going to end up abusing us or cheating or whatever i'm i'm not okay with that so i'm actually going to go over here and if you want to you know play that again come and come and tell me but i'm not i'm not okay with you making that joke about my hair all of the time i'm not okay with so it's kind of naming the behavior drawing your line in the sand. You don't have to be dramatic about it. As I said, it's it's not real housewives. It's not whatever TV show. It doesn't have to be the drama. You can just really calmly state, I'm not comfortable with that, so I'm not going to put up with it. So I'm just going to go over here. So I think that is key of being able to own your space. And in terms of um, how do we help our kids find those friendship groups? If at the moment you haven't got that great friendship group, this doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you you know, and, and it takes a while. Sometimes I've been, I've had years at school, I've had times at uni, workplaces, gee, school mums at the gate, where you turn around and you think, mm, there's nobody here. <laughs> my people aren't here. <laughs> where are my people? There's no one I click with. And so sometimes in those moments, if you haven't kind of got that great friendship, what I say to kids is, go to where the kind people are, right? They, don't, they might not be the people who get you on every level, but if you can find those people who at least kind and nice, hang out with them, or amazing things happen in school libraries now where there's robotics and all kinds of things. Go to the library, see if you can mentor some kids in younger grades, or if you, let's let's learn to be comfortable being alone. That's important, first of all, is to own that that's okay if you haven't got that great group of friends. A way to find great friends is, of course, joining in. So whether it's sports, sport's a great one, of course, because it's so good for us, good for our mental health, but whether it's debating or chess or drama club or whatever it is, joining in a few things is a great starting point to help you make some connections.
0: So what's parents say. So their daughter comes home really crying and sobbing Mm -hmm. and really upset because they have been excluded or in the middle of a big fight. And often I find it that they're in the middle between two of their friends who are fighting. So what sorts of a conversation do you have with them back in that moment? I love it. Other
1: than get the tissues. Okay. So what, (laughs) first of all, as parents, the thing that I really try and keep in mind for myself and would recommend to other people is we set the tone right? This is for all aspects of our lives, right? With our kids, we set the tone. So what we really want to do, as much as sometimes we part of us wants to get in there and go, she did what? (laughs) Are you joking? How am I going to fix this? And I'll go and speak to her and this is what you should do. We kind of really want to dial it back a bit, be empathetic and supportive back put the decision-making in the hands of our daughter and think, "Mm, how do you think what would be a good way to handle this? Because we want to be helping them learn how to navigate these moments. I would certainly say one of my favourite things that I talk to girls about and boys is do not get involved in drama cyclones. Right? You know, I wish somebody had said this to me when I was at school, but don't get involved in drama cyclones. And we know when they're coming, we can see them coming. And it's when everybody starts talking about somebody else in a really negative way. It's got nothing to do with us. And we have a choice at school. We're either going to step into it and get involved, or we're going to step away from it. And I say to kids, you have enough going on in primary school and high school. You do not need the added stress of being caught up in constant drama cyclones. That includes being the messenger. Now, you can think you're being super helpful because you're running between the two groups. You are not Dr. Phil, right? (laughs) (laughs) You are not (laughs) actually going to have the skills to help the situation. And what do we know that's going to happen? Those two different groups are going to turn on you at some point and get cross at you for being involved. So if you are really concerned about the two groups of friends, that's when you go and tell a teacher. But you really need to stay out of it because all you're doing is getting involved in a drama cyclone. And similarly when we were talking before Maggie about you know having you, you know your best friends upset you or someone's upset you at school, if someone's upset you at school, what you don't want to do is then go around and tell everyone else about it. This person (laughs) said this to me. Again, I say to kids, that's actually creating a drama cyclone. If somebody's upset you at school, and I know this is hard, but I think with practice, we can all get better at it. You take the person aside and you talk to them, right? You don't go around going, can you believe she did this to me? Can you believe he did this to me? Because that's just creating drama and drama is exhausting and we don't need it.
0: What is the most helpful thing a parent can do when that that girl's coming home ready to burst because she didn't do the drama cyclone
1: at school? A great piece of advice that I learnt from um, Dr Brené Brown was be really careful who you share your stories with. So, yes, you can vent and great if you can talk to your parents. But, of course, what's friendship about? Friendship is about wanting to to talk to, open up and have people that you're safe with. And that's different to getting involved in gossip and, and whatever. Venting is really about our own personal stories. We really want to be choose carefully who we, we vent to, who we share our personal stories with, because what happens when we choose the wrong person? It will get spread as gossip sometimes parents or the girls email me and say, I don't don't know who to trust. And we look at, you know, have they proven themselves over lots and lots of little moments to be trustworthy, to be a great friend to us? You know, when we go into class, have they saved us a seat? You know, it's things like that. When we've had a bad day or look like we failed a test or something's happened, have they come over and checked in to see if we're okay? Those little moments that, that we, they kind of build up and we can say, you know what? Yes, that person, that person's from my tribe. They get me and I trust them. And so I know that I can open up to them. So I think that's really important because we know, again, particularly with girls that sometimes a lot of the drama happens when they share stories with people who don't have their back and don't have their best interests at heart. So tell me, Claire, when should you worry about
0: the kind of influence your kids' friends are having on them?
2: Yeah, and I would go to what's the temperament of your child? If you've got the kid who's kind of like a chameleon has to be like everyone around them. Um, So, you know, they come in and they've got a bit of swag and you say, mate, have you been playing with Connor today? Because it's almost
1: (laughs) like...
2: You're in Connor's skin. Um, you know, how about you hop out the front door, peel Connor off, and you just come in and be my gorgeous boy. Um, if you've got that kind of kid, I'd be far more concerned about who they're hanging out with. Mm, or people pleasers, Yes. You know, they, they're looking for ways to please them. So they'll come home and they'll busily they They little do a drawing. I'm just doing a drawing for Damien. And I think, wow, I wonder where that's come from. You hate drawing and Damien hates getting your drawings. <laughs> And then you've got the kids who are really happy to be themselves, Maggie. They just are. And you can trust those kids into their friendship because they'll know when it's reached some sort of terminal level and they'll they'll do some help seeking around that. I really do think that... We have to look at our kids. We have to look at the impact on their mental health. If you're noticing a change in your yeah. child, like they're becoming less themselves, they're becoming more withdrawn, sad. And I think our girls do a lot more language-based manipulation and shaping of friendships. And they do a lot more intimate disclosure. So it's not As often, our teen boys here, most of the language-based ones are doing intimate disclosures, but our girls, they're disclosing intimate parts of self and when they become betrayed... That's that's difficult, and you do have to. Step and you got in to and remember that
0: sometimes those choices are not coming from a deeply
2: intentional place. There's a little bit of the human brain where things go round and round for us girls. We call it ruminating. Uh, you know, cows chew their food over and over and over. Um, they ruminate, and we are we are very much like cows in many ways. Uh, <laughs> so we can go Sorry. over and over these yeah. emotions. So for our girls who get stuck into these loops, and sometimes what starts as fact can turn into fiction. Very very rapidly and uh, being able to leap in and do a bit of challenging like tell me where that started and why you're thinking that now can you give me three things that you know that that someone said or so you're going to pull them back into facts and I tell you what our dads are pretty important in this Mm. dad girl conversations are good but also I think if you have a girl who gets stuck in that mood for long periods of time actually mood can derail our family lives especially girls who get caught in moods around friendships Mm. and if it's frequent and prolonged, and even if you get rays of sunshine in between, you go, oh, thank goodness, I've got this gorgeous thing back, and then you're back into that mood. Th- that can bring everyone down, and I, that's where I'd be help-seeking. And I think um, the
0: venting, often coming in the door, having had a the teachers say how wonderful your daughter is, but they're coming home and absolutely giving it pr- quite often to mum, that's not always a bad thing, because but you'll notice there's a shift in that because if they don't vent some days or the venting changes, that's also a flag, isn't it? Yeah, it is. We've touched on what you do, um, you know, a little bit around if your child is being bullied. But what do you do, oh no, your child is the bully?
2: Yeah, and, you know, bullying is just such a diverse behaviour. And I would say that most children at some point in time will step into that role. They will step into the role of being the most powerful, calling the rules, say something nasty, friends laugh, say it a bit more, and then come home and just feel devastated that's the kind of bully you want because their conscience is catching up with them and giving them a slap around the chops and saying, hey, you, that's not nice, don't do it again. Um, If your child is engaging in those regular behaviours, let's look at why that's happening, Maggie. Mm. So I think this is where if you know that this is what your child is doing, we're talking about empathy. Empathy Mm. is a really enormous part of friendships. If your child is not having those empathy-based responses you want them to, I'm pretty sure you'll be seeing it with their siblings. Mm. Definitely. Um, There's there's quite a lot of carryover. And I think then it's time to seek help. Yes. Because what happens is this doesn't just, it's not a stage. The, The child who sits in the place of being the bullier often, it's not a phase. And it can be a difficult part of personality that you need to work with. Conflict
0: happens in life. We're not bad people, but we need to know how to manage it.
2: Mm. Yeah? Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I suppose the other piece to that, low empathy, more likely to do the impulsive actions that look like bullying, but actually aren't. They're not intentional. And it could. it's not just the negative stuff. It could be silliness. So, you know, the kid that spins off into ridiculous silliness. That means that that little system is is being challenged yeah. and the the front of the brain that says, hey, calm down, don't do that, it's not nice, <laughs> it's not coming online. And yeah. we know that's associated with, with a variety of diagnoses, developmental, neurobiological mm. diagnoses exactly. of childhood. Now, that child can sometimes get a profile of being a bully yeah. and they're not.
0: Claire Orange, I am really blessed to have you as one of my friends and not only as a professional colleague. And so today has been particularly special for me. Thanks,
2: Claire. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Maggie. If you had
0: even one great friend as a kid, you'll remember how much they filled your cup, how much you look forward to seeing them. So if your child struggles to make friends, consider how much time do you prioritise for play in your busy life? See if you can arrange to meet the same families once a week for a regular play at a community park so that gradually your child can feel safe with familiar kids and parents so they get better at learning how to navigate friendships. Tip number two is, and I get asked this so much, what do I do if they come home and say, my friend won't play with me? So the first thing is we need to remind our kids that relationships have ups and downs. And that sometimes, yep, we're gonna feel hurt by the words or actions of our friends. So allow them some time to talk about it and process the feelings, and then encourage them that next day have another go at reconnecting. And if that doesn't work, find someone else to play with for a while. Tip number three sometimes friendships just go bad. They become too much hard work and they're really difficult to either repair or sustain. And we need to let our kids know that it's time for that to end. So what can you do next is you support your child on the journey to making new friends, play dates, or possibly joining um, a group or something they can connect with in different places. We create the opportunity, but we don't do it for them. And then try not to add fuel to any of those fires that we have already gone down because broken and ended friendships have got pain. So let it go. Is a really important message, just like Elsa, let it go. And keep on focusing towards the hope of new friendships in the future. If you're looking for more good ways to talk to your kids about the challenges of friendship, especially in childhood, there's an excellent episode of the ABC Kids podcast, Short and Curly, which covers exactly that. If you haven't heard of Short and Curly, it's so great and I can really recommend it. It's a super fun ethics podcast which challenges kids to think about some of the tough choices we have to make in life.
1: You've got to think long term as well with your friends. You have to think, well, is this really a good idea? Do I really want to hang out with this person who is talking behind my back meanly? And then you also have to take into account, well, we've been friends for a long time, we're really close and I do like her as a friend and I think she likes me.
2: If you actually tell them what they're doing, because they might not even realise that they're being mean, they could actually like actually have some perspective and look at themselves from another person's point of view and try and fix that.
0: Like all of the ABC podcasts, Short and Curly is free to listen to on the ABC Listen app or on podcast apps like Apple and Google. You can even play it for your kids on smart speakers while you're having (laughs) brekkie. Next time, I'm
1: parental as anything, raising teenagers. They feel that they receive a lot of information about sex and sexuality, but they receive very little information about relationships and emotion. We tend to worry more about sex, I suppose, than we do about feelings. But the truth of it is, heartbreak too is, is a huge thing for an adolescent to try and overcome it's alone.
0: enormous. That's next I'm Parental as Anything with me, Maggie Dent.